0: Okay, good morning everybody, Morning. a very special thank you to Alone for getting the COVID-friendly breakfast set up, and a very special thank you to Aaron Brody for the fresh brewed coffee that's on its way, and Shkoyach to Mr. Zemel for encouraging the Zoom participation, and to Rabbi Abi Wasser for making it happen. All right, we'll do a two-minute recap of last week. We started the very first mitzvah of Anochi Hashem Alokacha, the mitzvah of belief in God. And we saw from the Siddur Hagrah that it's easy to verbalize Anima Min shalema, I believe in the existence of Hashem. But there's a vast difference between parroting the words and actually feeling and believing having that emotional connection with Anochi Hashem Alokecha, The most basic definition of the mitzvah we saw from the Bir Lacha, the very beginning of the Shulchan Arach, what the Chafetz Chaim tells us, really paraphrasing the Ramban, that the mitzvah is to believe that there is a a first cause, a source of everything that we find in the universe. Upeirusho, and the explanation of this mitzvah is, Teidu Vitaminu, you should know and believe. And we spent really most of the time last week trying to define those terms, yedia and munah, knowledge and belief. We saw different expressions in the Rishonim, the Rambam, like we mentioned, the Rambam, and in the Derech Hashem. The Rambam says... He seems to focus on the uh, idea of Leida that the mitzvah is to know sheyesha matzwey rishon. But then we also mentioned from the Maizah Rokeach that it could very well be Yediyah itself is not the mitzvah, but it's more of a way of getting to a munah. Now he does not define what a is, and that's what we spent the second half of last week doing. What is the definition of a munah? Because on one hand, we saw the Gemara Makos that seems to say Amuna is the foundation of everything. Yet on the other hand, we saw the Rambanad and the Parshas Bo, where he points out that Amunah is the goal of everything. So make up your mind, is it the buses, is it the foundation, the starting point, or is it really the ultimate goal? So we saw from different places throughout Tanakh, the, uh, the Lashon of Amuna used in many different ways. And we came out with the following, Tzad HaShava, right? The basic theory of everything to explain the word amuna, Which is probably the most poignant source was from how we define Mordechai's relationship to Esther. Vahi omen es hadasa, Omen es Hadassah was that he took care of Hadasa Esther. He was loyal. He was committed he was giving his all to this particular person, and that seems to be the general theme of amuna, where it's not just a, a cold intellectual belief, but it's a, it's a commitment. Ba'is Ne'man Yisrael, that it's something that I'm, I'm channeling all of my efforts towards. Now, obviously, we still have to define where does Yediyah fit in and where does amuna come in. What exactly is the crossroads between the intellectual knowledge and the real mitzvah of feeling that commitment, that loyalty to the belief? Like we said, 86% of Americans claim that they believe in God. But how does that translate itself? How does that manifest itself? So a moon is not just... A belief It's not just the philosophy or ideology, but it's a real commitment. It's a loyalty to the reality that there's a God. So this was actually the last page of last week, uh, the first page of this week. And this is from Rav Shach. Zecher Tzadik, Kodesh Lebracha. And I think this will give us a little bit of an understanding to the, uh, the intersection between Yediyah and Amunah. And hopefully, we're going to now address the two main questions we had last week, namely, how do you command belief? That's a famous question that many people bring up. How do you command to believe in something? If I do, I do. And if I don't, telling me I have to is not gonna do anything. And the other issue was, if there is a need for any level of philosophical uh, debate and, and exploration, Why is it fair to command a child, a 12-year-old girl, a 13-year-old boy, to believe in something with confidence that even the greatest scientists are musupik, are in doubt. Aristotle, going back thousands of years, and in uh, contemporary times, you have very smart people that know a lot more about cosmology than we do, and yet they themselves are not convinced. How do we say, how do we demand that a child is convinced? Let's take a look here at Rav Shach. He says, from the, my youth, I always was bothered by the question, what exactly is this mitzvah of Amunah? Obviously, the, the basic yidiyah, the acceptance, the knowledge that there is a creator of the universe, there's intelligent design... That itself is, That's not debatable. That's poshit. If you open your eyes in an honest way, without negios, without anything blinding us, we look into the universe, and obviously there needs to be a creator. You look at the intricate wisdom of, of any tiny cell in the human body, there, there's no way to fathom the endless Chachmah. And Kol Shekein, if you look into the, the Chachmah of Yitzirah Sa'adam, the creation of the human being, how every element of the body works, the idea of procreation. So you don't have to be a great philosopher, he says, you don't have to be a scientist, you don't have to study astronomy. To come to the conclusion, obviously, there's a creator to creation. Like we quoted from the Rambam, he says that we have to know, we have to intellectually know that there is a God. Thank you so much. Harei is nikramuna, And therefore, where does this idea of amuna come into play? What exactly is the mitzvah of amunah? There's a basic knowledge which everyone can and, and should achieve. So what exactly is a munah? So we describe the, the definition of a munah, but Rav Shach going to help us with when does a Muna come in? Where does Yediyah end and a Muna start? I asked this question to the Grizz, the Omar and he told me, that he was bothered by the same issue, and he asked this question to his father, Rav Chaim Right, So don't think for a moment that these questions are only for the of conversations. Right, the greatest Talmid HaChemim that ever walked the planet were also grappling with these issues. So this is what Rav Chaim said. Up until the point, that human intellect can grasp, that's Yediyah, that's knowledge, that's not classified as Amunah. <speaking in Hebrew> but the obligation of amuna, which we're saying is that more emotional commitment and loyalty to that belief, that starts from the point that the human intellect can no longer travel. Right, so our mind, our philosophy takes us here, and then ad magas until our hand could reach. That's where Ramuna starts. I think a a that illustrates this point beautifully is found in the in the Sefer Derech Mitzvah Secha. <clears throat> he writes that. A child calls his father Abba, or Tati, or Daddy, or Papa, depending on where you live. But you call your father Abba. Now, if you were to ask this four-year-old child, do you understand why he's your father genetically? Do you understand what that means to be the offspring of another human being? he would have no clue what you're talking about. Biologically, what the connection is, the DNA, the X and the Y chromosomes, never heard of that before, nor does he care. A child has no recognition of all of the science behind why this man is my father. He just calls him dad. The truth of what he's saying and what he's experiencing is well beyond his comprehension. Does that mean when he says, Tati, can you please pass me the milk? That he's lying to himself? That he's living in a world of illusion? You can't say that he has no connection to what he's saying. He has a full, complete recognition that this person is his father. And he would not turn to anybody else besides his dad. So, what's really happening here, and this is why it's such a brilliant analogy, is the child knows, right? With depth that. This man is my Abba. And when he says Tati, what he's saying is true. Now, there happens to be a whole world of hidden wisdom behind his relationship, behind his experience, behind the words that he's actually verbalizing, and that he's not privy to, but that makes no difference really in that relationship. Give me one moment, and I know where you're going. Bahareza! <laughs> He says that it's similar to when you teach a child the halacha. He wants to know, am I allowed to squeeze out this type of thing on Shabbos? And you tell him, it's mutter. So does he know the halacha, yes or no? No. Well, he he knows it's mutter, right? He knows now he could squeeze this thing out. Now, if you were to ask him why, he would answer, because my dad said so. If you were to ask his father, why is that mutter, he would say, well, there's two types of schita, you have schita tol of dash, schita tol of libun. it's not libun because of this, and it it's not dash because of this, and the material is not gudule karka, and we in that, schita ser is not really schita, maybe they're a according to the summary shown him, but that doesn't apply here, because the things are not so close together, it's not even trapping the water. <laughs> you can go on and on. Does the child know the halacha? Yeah? Does he know the amkus behind the halacha? No. So says the derech mitzvosecha, this is the uh, yidiya and the imuna. The Imuna is something that we can't grasp. So our knowledge could bring us to the point where we know with a sense of conviction that there is a boreola. Do I have, or does that therefore mean I have a relationship with the creator of the universe? Does that mean that I view the Creator as my Tati? Not at all. It's an intellectual belief that led me to this conclusion. The mitzvah of Amunah, which we're defining as not faith, but faithfulness, that's the the emotional connection that I'm trying to develop, even though there's so much about God that I will never grasp. I will never know anything about the essence of the Infinite. I will never know anything about the process of creation and what took place before Bria Zola. I will never have any hasoga of how the world keeps on somehow, continues to exist and thrive, to, uh, to have a qi'um when it's it's b'chol yo, makhadash baruch is somehow reinventing everything every second. But that doesn't serve as a blockage to my emunah. That's my faithfulness. Am I making any sense? <laughs> what do you say, Ryako? So, so different than
1: everybody
0: else's That's a deep line. Your amuna is different than any, everybody else's because your amuna is ultimately personal. In, in truth, right, like we saw last week, that's really explaining the idea that, that there's no such thing as do you believe or do you not believe. Muna has infinite levels. And that's why, that's why the Gemarika tell us that sadik ben munaso Amunah, so Yichia, is the most foundational of everything. And at the same time, like the Ramban tells us, that's the end goal of the mitzvot. Because we keep on growing in our moon, we keep on growing in our faithfulness towards the Kaddish Baruch. Yes, Reb Chaim. So,
1: so, okay, so, if muna is what you need once your knowledge ends, then it would kind of what Yaakov was saying if as your knowledge grows and you get to a better point, your moon is going to grow too. So, there's a correlation between. Because it's oh. kind of what you're saying too, because the child doesn't have the knowledge. He has so a uh, certain level of, of Amuna, but as you learn more and more, that was changed, and so therefore the point of which Amuna comes in changes.
0: Beautifully said. right? Because we're defining the relationship between Amuna and Yadiyah, is that Amuna starts where Yadiyah ends, so that means the more Yadiyah I have, so then I now have potential for a greater level of Amunah. And I think that's really what the Mysore okech was telling us before in the Rambam. He says that through the Yediyah, that brings the Amunah. So the more Yediyah, the more of that foundation intellectual I have, the more of that faithfulness, the more of that loyalty I can can attain. Um, Amunah is more of an emotional
1: connection?
0: Yes. Muna is more of an emotional connection. Isn't
1: the harder part? You, like, to get, like, you can learn a It doesn't
0: mean you're going to have an emotional connection. 100%. That is the, the, the more difficult part of the equation. Yes. Now, the reason why even the idea is challenging, like we mentioned the famous question, the second question of Rabbi Khan and Wasserman, you have very smart people who, who don't have that idea. And they could run circles around you explaining why there seems to be order and Chachma and the evolutionary process and the brilliance of Mother Nature. So we're going to address that in one moment when we see the Meshach Chachma and we'll uh, quote from Rabbi Hanan. Question, Aliza?
1: Yeah, I guess I have a question and a comment. One, I mean, I
0: guess you know where I'm going. Well, we'll have to see. Maybe I'm totally off. But. Um, right, you could
1: a child into foster care and now this person's my father and they wouldn't know the difference, so there are limits to this uh, muscle. Insult.
0: There are definitely limits to the muscle, but I think the muscle is still true within that circumstance.
1: Well, you could also have, I mean, you could also think about a situation where somebody has an abusive father and they also think of that person as their father and that, like, i
0: kind of think that it's like unraveling there, the connection here. Like any good muscle, it always has limitations, right? But at least in a, in a family where the child is actually the biological child of his or her father, when they say Abba, what they're saying is true, even though there's so much more they can't understand. Okay. And I think it's that illustration that's very helpful.
1: And then the other thing that I was going to say is I was having... Um Conversation with somebody that I was working with, uh, who's French, and there is like basically very atheistic, um, and uh, I was talking to him about you know like about faith, and he said, "Well, I don't need to fill in the blanks with something. I just assume that I don't know how something works, and that oh. there's more science to be learned." So um, on that. I think that this point about uh, that uh, faith comes in where knowledge ends, I think that, for me at least, I was, I was thinking, well, maybe a better way of thinking about it is not to fill in the blanks, but more to build off of what I know.
0: Very well said. You know, in the, in the world of atheism, it's called the, uh, the God of the gaps, right? Right. That because, you know, we can't really answer the questions... Of, of design and purpose and many things don't fit in neatly to the theory of evolution, of random evolution. So, okay, we'll leave it as a question mark. Why jump to a conclusion that there must be intelligent design? Now, I happen to think even logically, that's a very flawed argument because you have to make decisions in life. And the way we make a decision in any area of life Right? There are three ways to get from point A to point B. You know, There's traffic in this direction. There might be a construction over here. How do you make that decision? You go with the, the facts. You go with the idea that you have. And you make the most educated decision. And that's true with marriage. That's true with choosing what school to go to. That's true in choosing a job. So are, are you going to tell me that everything I do, I'm just you know, filling in the gap with faith? It's not called filling in the gap with faith. It's called using our intellectual capacity, our God-given ability to look at the different factors and make the most educated decision. And I would argue that if we see the the world around us and within us, and that's all pointing in the direction of massive, limitless intelligence to say, no, I'm going to hold off, I'm not going to be judgmental, I'm not going to have faith. To me, that sounds like you're having more faith than coming to the conclusion, hey, if there's Chachma, there must be a Borei Olam to that Chachma. This is gonna get us in a much longer discussion, but yes, doctor.
1: Okay, I am just playing devil's advocate, it's not my position, but I am just, you know, thinking that if we're piloting that a greater level of idea brings us to a higher potential for Anunna, don't we see that there's a flip side where people fear that if you have more idea, if you delve more deeply into these topics, sometimes it causes kind of a ding or a decrease in Amuna. And that's why um, people will argue that emunah is a higher level. And you have to play around with that by delving into the sciences more deeply.
0: Great question as well. Basically, don't we find that there is a, uh, a concern that getting too much into the idea, into the science and all of those questions of, you know, how old the universe is and evolution and dinosaurs, those things can derail someone. And to the contrary, if someone just has that amunapshuta, the good old-fashioned anim min bemun perhaps they're safer, right? You're not being mo'oro you're not awakening uh, doubts within them and sometimes the questions are better than the answers. So what we're gonna have to do is really explore what type of idea is healthy and helpful, and what type of idea can be just a distraction and lead you down that endless rabbit hole of uh, uncertainty. So you're 100% right. There are particular types of philosophy and, uh, and explorations that we try to stay away from because of that concern. I do want to point out that when we speak about a moon and Hashem, first of all, when we speak about the warmth in this room, is there any way to turn on the AC? <laughs> right? no. That's what happens when we will us out for a couple of weeks and everything just falls apart. <laughs> it's just all you know what I'm supposed to do, you know? <laughs> Speaking of the temperature in this room, should we open the door? Is there a breeze? Is it worth it?
1: What's that? Probably hotter, Probably
0: hotter outside. We do live in Florida. All right, we'll give it a shot. Anyway, but we speak about Amuna, about Yedeeah and faithfulness, it doesn't mean that... Oh, shkoyach. It doesn't mean that every question we have needs to be answered. I remember a beautiful mashal I heard... Uh, 20 years ago, together with alone, we were in Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> this will be new for me. <laughs> <laughs> and Rav Chait, he, he, uh, he was here, right, last year. So, on Friday mornings, he would give more of a Hashgrafik uh, discussion, and he would bring different makomos. So he shared one very profound marshal regarding how do we relate to Sveikos, to having doubts in the Muna. He said, if somebody wakes you up in the morning and he says, quickly, get up. It's crazy what's going on. There's some kind of supernatural thing happening here. You say, what, what's happening? Look at outside. And you see the sun is shining. You look at your alarm clock. It says 7.15 a.m. Like what's, what's going on? It's nighttime, but yet somehow the sun is out. It's crazy. So, although you're still groggy, you ask the question, uh, maybe it's just morning, right? It says 7.15, sun shining. So, he says, no, 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 look over there, look over there. And you see this swarm of bats flying back and forth, right? He says, bats, we know, are nocturnal creatures. They only come out at nighttime. So, it's obviously night, but yet the sun is shining. That's crazy right? So you have two options now in how you conclude that thought. Do you say, wow, we're experiencing an ace? Or do you say, I think this is Rabbi Chait's uh, expression, are sure going to we going to bats I don't have an answer. I'm not sure why they're at it during the day. Usually they only fly around during the night, but okay, good kasha. So when it comes to issues of Amuna, it's not shaykh it's not possible, nor is it our tafkir, it's not our mission to necessarily have, no, thank you, to necessarily have all of the answers. The goal is to have enough of a clarity where even if there are questions, we view them as bats. Okay, good kasha, not sure, okay? That, that's the goal of Emunah. Um The uh, the quotes the Chazal. Uh, it says, Ben Azai Omer, Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam. The posik we have at the end of Bereshis. Ein klal Gadol B'Torah You don't have any greater principle in the entirety of Torah more than this Pusuk of Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam. Okay, what's so great about that posik? Explains the Meshachachmah. Vuhukiy Adam Keshu Korov Latoso Boloshitov Tivos Magunos when a person is in tune with himself, without Tivas and desires pulling me in any other direction, Uboloha Falogos Muscolim Dimonim Kosvim or without foreign ideas confusing me or distracting me, who safer godola shirbo kosuvaetelo? then really within us, we have this Sefer composed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where we understand, that we have a bakasha for Tzedek, we yearn for righteousness and justice, for Chesed, we, we were compelled to help others, um, Hashem and we have a clarity regarding the existence of God. This is natural, this is ingrained, this is composed within the Sefer Betoldo Sodom. Vizesha this says Simcha Vince, this is the the amkus, the depth and the pasik that were created in the image of God. That means to say, among other things, that we have this intrinsic knowledge that God exists. So when we say a it doesn't just mean that I've been brainwashed by my family and my society and my Rebbeim it means something so much deeper that within the very DNA of the neshama, right? we spoke about this at least in one of the two manyanam and Shabbos, within the DNA of the neshama, there's a hakara, there's a recognition of a bariola. What happens is, is that there are so many other factors and influences and taivas and bias that clouds, that fogs the vision, and that's why it's possible to be masupik, to have some level of doubt, at least in the intellectual realm. But to answer the question of Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, the second question, how can we demand of a child something that even the greatest scientist is struggling with? The answer is because coming to that yiddia, having that recognition is not difficult at all. It's natural, it's organic. It's just you can't allow yourself to be, to be uh, fogged, right? to be clouded by the other factors. But the actual process is very simple. All that requires is opening our eyes in an honest in an honest fashion. I think that also answers the first question of Rivachanan, which was, how do you demand a Muna? If you believe, you believe, if you don't believe, me telling you have to is not going to help. Answer is because the idea, the source of everything, is already there. that's part and parcel of who I am. That doesn't require. The, uh, the acquisition of munah, right? We have here the title, Acquiring versus Discovering. There is no such mitzvah to acquire amuna. It's part of who I am. It's better at the neshama. And therefore, you can't say, how can you have a commandment to feel amuna?" Because we know this is true. The commandment is more of an emotional one, in a sense, strengthen that relationship, have more of a faithfulness, and that's doable and we're going to see different ways of doing that different suggestions we find but it's not about believing in something that's hard to believe in that's the baseline so
1: it's not it's not the it's not the, the, the commandment
0: the commandment of amuna is not you shall believe you know, basically saying, you have a mitzvah to acquire a How do I acquire? If I don't believe in the first place, then why should I even strive? The answer is, it's in me. It's part of me. It's who we are. The mitzvah is not so much acquiring a It's more the process of discovering, of bringing it out. To bring something out which is already inside of me, that's doable. There are ways, there are ways to achieve that.
1: And what's that...
0: Technically speaking it's all part of the mitzvah of malo kecha. Right? But to answer that question of how do you command a munah, The answer is there's no command of acquiring a munah. The mitzvah is bringing it out. And to bring it out that's something that's definitely within our capacity. It's
1: like a, it's like a, it's like a vehicle to establish the relationship.
0: It's like a... Exactly. Meaning to say, right? You have a, you have a couple that you know, they have a foundation of love and respect. And then over the years, they've been going in different directions. So, would it be crazy to try to get them closer? Can you say, listen, they're already very far apart. He's in his world and she's in her world. What do you expect? You're going to command love? You're going to command respect? It is what it is, Nabuch! So, sometimes it is what it is and there's no way to help. But oftentimes we believe that by getting real hadracha and real guidance and how to stoke the coals of Ava that have somehow been extinguished over the years, that's very possible to do. Because the foundation is there, the love is there, you have to relearn how to communicate, how to connect to each other. So in a sense, the mitzvah of Amunah is not create the love, but it's bring it out. It's all within you, bring it out. Oh, so we actually mentioned on Shabbos that we see even amongst Melech stone, even amongst Rishoyim, there seems to be this Bedrak HaKorah of Hashem. It, it's a different level, it's a different playing field, but it sounds like within every human being, inherent in the Neshama is this subconscious recognition of God. And so Exactly, when we have swath, by the way, as a word then most people learned only because of ISIS. Yimach <laughs> right? Because in every, every issue that comes up, there's always like one new vocab word right, now in the lexicon of Americans. Now it's uptick. Nobody used the word uptick before COVID, right? <laughs> well, uptick, I don't know what that is. A tick is a small bug. Uptick. Now everyone uses it. So with ISIS, you know, that, that was the constant theme. They're gaining swaths of land throughout Iraq, right? Parenthetically. <laughs> But, but, but that's the assumption. If you have a person or a nation or generations of people who are totally denying the reality of God, that's because they're not in tune with themselves. Now, again, I feel bad because we have many mitzvahs to go through and we're only on the first, but this is the foundation of everything. So we're going to have, we only have a few minutes left here. Next week in Mitzvah we're going to see the stipler together. The stipler goes through how is it possible for someone to be an atheist? How is it possible for someone to be agnostic? Right, so we saw a preview that it's based on other things clouding their vision, but the stipler gets more um, detailed as to what that process is and how we could hopefully avoid it. But I want to end with Revolba for today. Revolba says that when the Mishnah tells us you should know how to respond to the Apichorus... Rabbi says, um, this is the second line here, Revolba. It's not saying that we have to go out and get into some kind of vikuach, a debate with Kofrim. We're actually told not to do that. That's a waste of time. And it usually causes more harm than good. But rather, Rebbe is telling us, we have to know how to answer the Apichorus within ourselves. Says Revolba, and this is also based on the Yaivitz and his commentary to Perki Avos, Amuna, the way we're defining it, is faithfulness, loyalty, living with the belief that, that, that there's a buried Olam, that needs to also be predicated on the Seichel, on the Yediyah. And this is really addressing Dr. Lyne's question. We are not obligated to delve into philosophy and uh, you know go into the murky waters of all those different discussions and shitas. It is sufficient to utilize the seichel haposhet. In order to have a foundation, intellectual foundation for our amuna, how do I do that, right? How do I enhance that intellectual foundation? So he says, "Everyone should take time out of their lives." La is the verb, right? To make more true their amunah according to their ability, according to their unique perception of life. Avoyodah beruros, kibli seichel, but you should know that without any seichel, if it's just the, the old-fashioned definition of a pshutah, where I never actually thought about it, I never took the time la'ameis amunaseinu, Oblī maḥshava without the focus tishara munaseinu mirpalas virak together maisa avosav biyodo then our muna is like the sitaha told us it's just like the parrot saying words without having any real feeling or association with those words there needs to be a foundation in the saikh he says al yadī bisu Ze shala muna and through this intellectual foundation, that will allow us to arrive at a sense of muchletis, a sense of certainty, of conviction. Imam Misharim Kiachere, he says, let's say, for example, we're living in a society where Bar HaShem, we're blessed with religious tolerance, and although there's a lot to be concerned about presently in America and going forward, at least for many decades, we've had the ability to practice our religion without open, direct persecution. He says, take the following mushal of living in a place where, if anyone would see you davening, if anybody would see you saying a bracha before eating a piece of food, they would mock you, they would ridicule you, they would make fun of you to no end. Would you be able to keep on doing mitzvos? Hopefully. But let's say that was more than a week or two. For years and years of your life, you are the minority. You're that small group of people who are persecuted and looked down upon because of your crazy religious beliefs. How long would you stay steadfast to your emunah and bitachon? How long would you continue practicing Judaism? That, that's true as well. Sometimes it does work in the reverse way. Right? We've quoted before from Rabbi Shemshin Pincus, who says, if you could have any Arab country tell all of the Israelis that they are not allowed to keep Shabbos, right? that very next Shabbos, every single secular Israeli will be Shomer Shabbos K'halacha, right? We have that uh, Am Kshe Orif. But his point is, when it's not comfortable, when it's not convenient, when it doesn't feel good, will I continue holding on tight to Torah mitzvos? The only way to make sure that I maintain that connection is having a basis, having a foundation in the intellect. Now it's very important, he doesn't say, take time to explore whether or not it's true. And these are subtleties that make such a, a powerful difference. We're not exploring whether or not it's true. We do have a munabshuta. Laames bisikhlenu means taking time to, to enhance, right? To, to make more, more of that connection. Once we get into the mindset of, I know absolutely nothing, I'm going to try to find the emis with no foundation whatsoever, likely you're going to be lost because there is so much unknown, there is so much in clarity. The goal here is La'ame semuna He says, most people who claim to have a muna, it's not really a hargosha, it's a dimyon. What's the difference between a hargosha and a dimyon? Hargosha means a real emotion. A dimyon is more the imagination. A real emotion, explains Revolba, is only possible through having some intellectual connection with that person or with that concept. If we don't take the time, and he says practically speaking, Yichtov kol echad laatmo al-pinkoso kol Nisbarlo, nisbar lo besich Write it down. Write down the things that inspire you. Write down the, the ideas... Or the concepts that serve as a motivation that bring more truth to your Ramunah. But if we're not spending any time in La'ame sumunoseinu, then instead of having a hargasha, instead of having a deep-rooted emotional connection, it's more of a dimyon. It's just a it's a it's a feeling, it's a fleeting image that has no real sustaining power. So we're gonna stop here for now. We've addressed the two most basic questions of Rabuchanin Namely, there is no commandment to acquire a munah. It's within us. The command is find ways to bring it out. Like the analogy, find ways to bring back the love and the respect for a spouse. And that's definitely doable. It's not acquiring, it's discovering. How can you tell a child, a 13-year-old boy, a 12-year-old girl, you have a chiyub to do something that even the greatest minds, many of them have not yet accomplished? Again, the answer is posh it. Because the idea itself is something that's natural. And the only obligation is live a lifestyle of Tahara and Kedusha, which we're going to explore more next week, that will protect you from the, the fog and the indoctrination of secular society. We're going to stop here for now and continue next time. Shkoyach, have a wonderful day. Thank you for the, uh, the Zoom. Wishing everyone on Zoom a wonderful day.
1: My mother said. Clock wasn't changed, so I showed up early. <laughs> My mother said thank you from the chat. What's that? My mother said
0: thank you from the chat. Oh wow! How yeah. from Israel? Amazing.
1: I of course have one more comment.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs>